Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 207. There's a, a Lao Tzu quote. If you are depressed, you are living in the past. If you are anxious, you are living in the future. If you are at peace, you are living in the present. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I am so excited to introduce a very special guest, Zach Miller. Zach, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am ready. I've got the rubber side down, and hopefully we'll keep it that way. Yes, I hope so. I'll do my best. Zach Miller is the publisher of Motorbooks, a wonderful source for the world's best transportation books for almost 50 years now. Founded in 1965 as Classic Motorbooks, the company has published many of their own titles and has teamed with some of the biggest names in the industry over the years, embracing the automotive enthusiast lifestyle. Since joining the company in the early 1990s, Zach has held a variety of positions at Motorbooks, and he's authored the book Illustrated Vincent Byers Guide. An automotive and motorcycle enthusiast since childhood, Zach has a particular weakness for motorcycles, especially bikes hailing from Italy, something that I love as well. So Zach, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share some more about your history, your business, and your passion for automobiles and motorcycles? Yeah, sure, Mark. I guess I've been a car, motorcycle, sort of anything with wheels fan, really since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. You know, I think like a lot of uh, my fellow enthusiasts, I spent a lot of time looking at magazines, going through the rather meager supply of car books at the local library in Iowa where I grew up. (laughs) Yep. And, uh, you know, just really sort of always just fascinated by internal combustion, the cars and motorcycles and, uh, and all of that stuff. And I guess it wasn't really anything that I necessarily thought I would eventually, you know, make my vocation as well as my avocation, mm-hmm. you know, but it did ultimately sort of work out that way, which is great. You know, I'd, uh, I went to school, I went to technical school, I, I, I worked, you know, in the technical field for a number of years, went back to school, finished my journalism degree, and eventually ended up here at Motorbooks, which was... Um, a great thing for me. Um, it really, you know, brought together two things that I'm interested and passionate about. I, I really love books. I love reading, and uh, you know, I really love cars and motorcycles. So it was a, a great way to combine the two. I'd initially applied for an editorial position with um, with Motorbooks um, in the early '90s. I 
I didn't get the job that time, but they asked me if I might be interested in writing a book for them. And so I agreed to do that, which is where the uh, illustrated Vincent Motorcycle Buyer's Guide came from. As I note, certainly not a, a New York Times bestseller or anything. <laughs> but um, Well, it's a pretty tight niche of Vincent Motorcycle. Yeah, it's 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 a it's pretty it's a little esoteric, but you know at, at that point in time, Motorbooks was publishing a lot of pretty sharply focused and, and in some cases esoteric books, so it was it was right in their uh, right right in their wheelhouse, I guess. So anyway, I, I did that for them. You know, a couple years later, they had another opening for an editor. I applied again, and, and they let me in the door that time. Nice. And uh, and I've kind of been here ever since. Since I've been here about twenty years now, I yeah I feel like I'm probably sort of pathologically unfit for most other forms of work at this point. <laughs> so I, I, I like what I do and I, I like what we publish. And um, w- when you get in a situation where that's the case, it's uh, it can be hard to replicate. So I've been uh, pretty happy with my tenure here. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love the fact that you're what Cars Yeah is all about. And that's wrapping your passion with your vocation. And that's what you've done. And it's fantastic. As we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests, for a success quote or a mantra, it's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So, Zach, in this case, I'll say take the handlebars. <laughs> All right. I guess something that I that I think think about a lot, and, and that it, that I you know that I've seen in its original quote form, but it, and it and I think it applies to a lot of things, or can apply to a lot of things, not only to to business, but you know, kind of to your life in general. Is a, a Lao Tzu quote. If you are depressed, you are living in the past. If you are anxious, you are living in the future. If you are at peace, you are living in the present. Hmm. Not that I'm a great um, religious Eastern philosopher or anything, uh-huh. but I like that quote because I think that it's, uh, it, it, you know, whether it's in, in business or whether it's in life, it's very easy to um, to get wrapped up in things that might have been in the past and didn't go so well yep. or to get worried about things that, you know, are in the future and, you know, and might not go so well. And, you know, and really, you know, ultimately, you only live in the present. And if you can manage to, to focus on that, whether it's, your, you know, your personal life or your business life, it can really help you with your focus and help you with your state of mind. Absolutely. And, um, and it's, a, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a struggle to get to that place. And, yes. And, and, I, and I'm certainly not there. But, you know, at least, you know, it's a small quote that, you know, when I get myself wound around the axle, I can um, <laughs> kind of remind myself of and uh, try and get my frame of mind reoriented. It's a useful frame of mind, generally speaking, when things are uh, not quite where you wish they were. Well, yeah, it is a great quote. It's it's kind of in line with stop and smell the flowers or life is not about the destination, it's the journey. All of those somewhat cliche quotes that tie into this, but Yes, I think the secret is finding your way to that inner peace in that moment and, and understanding that the, the time you're having right now is a great time and, and getting rid of all the rest. How you do that is probably a longer conversation for another time. But uh, yeah, I'd love, I'd love to know the secret to that one as well. But uh, yeah. maybe, we can, maybe we can discover that along the way. Will you share a story with me that instigated your passion for cars can you remember that pivotal moment in your life when you really knew you were a car guy or a motorcycle guy? You know, I don't know that I, I don't know that I really had a, a pivotal moment, and, and the reason I say that is because, and I think this is true for a lot of enthusiasts, but I really think I, I was kind of born this way <laughs> because I, I, I can't remember a, a time 
when I didn't like cars and motorcycles and objects with wheels, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and I kind of refer to it as the, you know, the genetic flaw in my family because my, my father was a real, you know, car and motorcycle enthusiast as well. So there's pictures of me when I was a little guy, you know, behind the wheel of, you know, some of his interesting cars. And, you know, and I just, I, I can't remember a time when I, when I wasn't interested in cars. And it's interesting because I have a, a brother as well, and he has almost no interest in hmm. cars and motorcycles. And we came up in exactly the, the same environment. Right. And I know I have other friends who are very passionate about cars and motorcycles who came up in a family that had no interest in cars and motorcycles. So I think, I think in some instances, car guys are made. In uh-huh. some instances, car guys are born. I, I kind of feel like I'm the latter because it's just there, there wasn't any... You know, there were certainly moments along the way where, you know, I can remember, you know, something happening that just sort of further firmed up my interest in cars or, or, or pushed me in a different direction than I had been previously. Right. But in terms of what got me started, I think I just came out that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I understand. I hear that a lot from many of my guests. And here's maybe a book idea, some kind of a Zen-like book on how do we get that mutated gene, us car enthusiasts? <laughs> where does it come from? All the different applications that apply to it and push us down that road. But uh, yeah, if for many people, it's a moment in time they can specifically remember. And for some of us, we just are that way. You know, it's yeah. uh, we love to play with cars. So, Zach, what I'd love to do now is uh, take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl into the hood here and ask you to share a huge challenge or even better, a great failure you faced in your career. And you may say, what's good about a failure? Well, the most <laughs> important part of that is how you overcame it and what did you learn from that situation? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, I, I mean, I, in, in thinking about this a little bit, I guess I really, um, I guess I maybe focused a, a little more on the challenge side than I think on the failure side, not to suggest I haven't had any failures. It's certainly not the case. You know, I think one of the big challenges for, for me and, and actually for the book industry as a whole and, and even the print media is just kind of the whole upheaval in the print business. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the last, uh, oh gosh, I suppose probably 10 or 15 years have been uh, really, especially probably for the last 10 years, there have been really significant changes in the whole print industry as, as more stuff, you know, goes online and people you know, look more to their phones and their computers and their smart devices and their, you know, laptops and all of that mm-hmm. as they're getting information. You know, in the book, the magazine, the newspaper are all relatively um, ancient media forms by comparison. And I think just sort of um, navigating through that and, and not becoming over discouraged, because there's certainly been many points where, you know, where it, we felt like, oh, print's going to go away, and bookstores are going to go away, and nobody's going to look at a book anymore or subscribe to a magazine. And, and I think that, you know, there was a point probably within the last five years where it, it really felt that way to a lot of us, and mm-hmm. we were sort of despairing that um, these things that we really invested ourselves into, you know, books or magazines, as the case may be, were just going to go away, and everything was going to be digital, and and people weren't going to be interested in the long form anymore. They were just going to, you know, read snippets on their smartphone or whatever the case may be. Right. And so I think kind of managing to sort of sort of hang tough and, and, and try and, and keep a positive view through that. And, I, and it feels a little bit like we're, you know, like we're kind of coming out the other side now and that, and that, that you know, and that we're not going to only read things on, you know, nooks and, and iPads and things like that. But And that people are still interested in physical books and, you know, and we saw 
borders go out of business and Barnes and Noble has, you know, sort of looked at how to, you know, sort of reinvent themselves and, and hopefully make themselves more attractive to customers and, mm-hmm. you know, and the rise of Amazon and all of that thing. But now we're starting to see a resurgence in independent bookstores are starting to reopen again after being, you know, really hit hard right. um, when, the, when the Barnes and Noble and borders were coming up. So I, I think, you know, we see a lot of um, hopeful signs now. And so I just think the whole, I don't know, the whole activity of just watching that progression and that change and sort of feeling like we're beginning to come out the other side was a pretty, certainly a pretty significant business challenge. Right. And, um, you know, and if you're really, you know, passionate about the subject and the, and the medium, you know, kind of a, a personal challenge as well. Absolutely. I wonder if over this transition that the sales of books, and maybe you know this answer, have they actually declined or has it just migrated and changed to where people are going into bookstores, seeing what they like, but then they buy it cheaper online? Yeah, I think it's 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 a combination of of all of those things. I do think that you know a lot of people obviously have switched over to reading electronically, but that's a format that really lends itself best to, to narrative books as opposed to illustrated books, which is mostly what we do, for example. Right. And so I think that, um, you know, I think that the, you know, book sales of physical books, you know, as a whole have, have um, declined. Um, they haven't dropped um, so precipitously that, you know, everybody's going out of business or anything. But it is a different, it is a different business, and we have had to, you know, attenuate a bit to sort of um, deal with that. But it's still... Um, it's still very solid. There's still a lot of interest. Enthusiasts, I believe, still appreciate books and, and want to have a physical book in their hands. It feels more like uh, recalibrating what we do and how we look at it than having to just say, ah, it's not going to work. Well, I appreciate that. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share a story when you had a real aha moment in your business or your career, it's one of those times when you realize that an idea that you had or a focus or direction was really valid. And tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success. I guess in, in looking at this, I, I guess I'll kind of, uh, I guess I'll look at maybe more, maybe a more personal perspective where, you know, I, I was originally, uh, I originally joined Motorbooks as, a, as an editor and that was something that I, I really loved. I really loved working with manuscripts and working with writers and photographers, and, and I still do. But that was really, you know, where my focus was. And I was really strongly focused on each project, you know, each author, each photographer, each thing that we were doing to, to create, a, you know, a discrete book. Mm-hmm. You know, and, the, and as an editor, the, the person that, that I um, worked for was the publisher. And the publisher had, you know, overall responsibility for the entire program. So, you know, making sure that we, you know, that we had a, enough books, the right kind of books. You know, the publisher is the one who's really responsible for, you know, for running the business and, and having those business concerns. Right. And, and I, you know, I didn't necessarily see that as something that I wanted to do. And it looked like something that was kind of intimidating to me. And I really, you know, wanted to stay focused um, on the books and, and the creation of those. And, you know, probably, oh gosh, I don't know, probably about eight years into my career or so, we had a change where, um, where our, the publisher that we had at that time left and, um, and we needed a new publisher. And I just presumed that, you know, we'll find another publisher and, um, and that's who I'll work for and I'll just carry on because I really love what I'm doing. In the interim, I was asked to sort of at least take on some of those responsibilities which made me pretty nervous because it was much different than what I was doing. But I guess in the, in the process of doing that, 
while the search was going on for a publisher and the process of kind of taking on some of those responsibilities, you know, I kind of got the feeling like, well, you know, maybe, maybe I could do this. And maybe this is something <laughs> yeah. that I would like. Yeah. And so I went ahead and through, you know, I, you know, kind of talked myself into it. And some of the people I worked with, you know, had um, sufficient um, and hopefully not displaced confidence that, <laughs> that um, I should throw my hat in the ring. And I did that. Yeah. And, um, I got the job as the publisher. Yeah, and um, and I, it was a very steep learning curve for me because um, being responsible for business aspects and stuff is not something that uh, was native to me. I guess the aha moment and all that was just I was sort of thrust into it, but there did come a point where, having been thrust into it, I kind of decided, well, maybe I can do this. Yeah. So I think that sometimes I, I guess the takeaway from that is that. That when you get an opportunity with which you're really not comfortable and that you really don't necessarily feel that you have the skill set for, just try anyway. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because, you, you know, you may surprise yourself and it may take you down a road that's not what you anticipated, but actually is um, something that works out for you. Yes. Well, that's great. Wonderful story. Thanks for sharing that. Sure, sure. How about proudest moments? I assume you probably had many in your career, but is there one in particular you can share with me that really stands out? Well, I guess, um, you know, for me, I'm pleased to have had the opportunity to be part of the Motorbooks uh, continuum, if you will. Mm -hmm. I mean, 2015 is Motorbooks' 50th anniversary. Oh, congratulations. It's founded in 65, yeah. Awesome. And so I guess what, what I'm pleased is to have had the opportunity to be part of that Motorbooks story. It obviously started... Way before I was involved, you know, started with Tom Worth and in his garage in Minneapolis in 1965, and um, and the company just you know kept evolving from there. Mm -hmm. You know, I um, came to work like I said in the early 90s, and uh, and I've been here for about 20 years, and 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 so I feel like I've had an opportunity to be part of that you know, what's now a 50 year story. Right. And, you know, and I, and, you know, my fondest hope is that, I mean, Motorbooks has changed ownership a number of times and, you know, but we've kept on producing books that are, you know, important and value and enjoyed by enthusiasts. And my hope is that that's something that just carries on to the future. And it, you know, at some point, you know, I will have had my uh, run here and reins will be handed off to someone else and that, you know, and that Motorbooks will just keep on going and that um, we'll continue doing what we do, which is, you know, provide interesting books for people that have the same gearhead afflictions that you and I do. Yes, I sure hope so. Absolutely. Well, kudos to you and congratulations to the company. To be around for 50 years is a huge accomplishment, especially in a challenging uh, economy as we've been through over those 50 years so many times and continue to kind of struggle a little bit here. But uh, it's absolutely marvelous. And I do hope there's another 50 years ahead for Motor books. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car? Not so much your first car, unless that was your first really special car. And if you could share a memory you had with that vehicle. Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say that uh, I, I'm still waiting for my first really special <laughs> car. Yeah, I'm, yeah. <laughs> uh, I really enjoy the car hobby, and I've been interested in cars my whole life. But mm -hmm. you know, my my first love is motorcycles. Yeah, okay. And you know, when I think about um, vehicles, you know, my mind always flits first to motorcycles. Sure. But I guess in terms of a special car, and it certainly wasn't very special, <laughs> the first car that I bought with my own money and that, um, and that saw me through my, my college years was a uh, 
was a, a really terrible um, 1966 Chevy half-ton pickup. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> Which, um, like I said, not terribly special, but it was special because insofar as, you know, I bought it with my own money. Yeah. I kept it on the road uh, with my uh, with my own mechanical skills and what little pocket money I had. And, you know, and I, I drove it all over the place. I did all kinds of stuff with it. I had to get into the truck and then roll down the window and lift the door up as I closed it so that it would latch <laughs> because the hinges were rusting out. <laughs> you know, I had to, uh, in the winter, I had a heavy blanket on my lap because the heater didn't work very well. Yeah. I dated my uh, my girlfriend at the time, who later became my wife, long distance for about two years. And I made a lot of trips back and forth between where I was living up in Minneapolis and where she was in that truck. Mm-hmm. And so... um you know that was a it's 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 kind of special, but not because it was particularly special. Yeah, it was about the memories. Yeah, it was about the memories and just uh, and, and really, you know, there's all kinds of for me, you know, kind of funny and interesting stories associated with that old truck. Yeah, and, uh, it took pretty good care of me, and I, you know, I took as as good a care as I could of it, uh, just considering its condition and. Yeah. Uh, the lack of resources I had at the time. <laughs> How about uh, you're into bikes? Is there a first really special motorcycle that you had? I started riding motorcycles when I was a kid. You know, I had mini bikes and stuff like that. And then I had motorcycles all through high school and, and college. And I went through a whole succession of uh, of uh, Japanese motorcycles. In my early 20s, I bought a, a Norton Commando, which was my first wow. um, okay. you know, non-Japanese bike. Yeah, And that really pretty much turned me on to uh, European machinery, and that's really that's really pretty much what I've ridden ever since. And the and the Commando was uh, was fantastic. I love that motorcycle. It's, it's it's really it's really the only vehicle that I don't have that I wish I still had. <laughs> well, that was my next question: was seller's remorse? It, it you know if there's yeah. a vehicle you let go or a bike, it, it, was that the one? That's the one that Commando, and it's kind of a it's kind of a funny story because actually I'd uh, I uh, I sold it to my dad for what I had in it mm-hmm. uh, with the belief that because I, I was restoring another motorcycle and I needed some money to restore the other bike I was working on. So I sold to my dad to fund building the other bike and then my intent was, you know, then I would buy it back. Yeah. And he called me at work one day and says, you know that um, that commando that I bought from you? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> he says, well, did, did, you, um, did you did you want that back someday? And I'm like, well, yeah, I thought I would buy it back someday. And he's like, well, you know, like like you really wanted it back, like you were attached to it or something. And Uh-oh. I'm like, well, you know, yeah, I, I sort of figured that I'd get it back when the situation was right. I'm like, where are you going here? Yeah, what's up? <laughs> he said, well, I... Uh, I traded it for a, a Ford farm tractor. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, damn. And uh, <laughs> I said, okay, well. It, there it goes, it yeah. Was, it was it was your bike. I I guess that was yours to do. So yeah. Oh gosh, a Ford tractor. So, oh well. Yeah. So that's <laughs> not yeah, quite as much well, fun. You know, you needed the tractor, and yeah. you didn't need the bike. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a risk you take. Yeah, yeah. How about current projects? Is there something you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? Yeah, you know, actually, I've got a well. I have a couple things I'm working on. One of them is a book project that I'm working on here at work, mm-hmm. and it's um. And I, I, I would admit, I'm. Do you, do you know Tom Cotter? Are you familiar? Yes, with he's his, been a guest on Cars. Yeah. Okay. Well, Tom, you, you know Tom. He's the, he's the barn find guy. Yes. Uh huh. And so we're working on a book with him right now that's going to publish this fall. It's fantastic. Um, I mean, I think all of Tom's in the barn books have been really fun. Yep. 
And he did some nice biography with Dean Jeffries and a couple other people. But his in-the-barn books have, have been really fun and really embraced by people in the hobby. So he called me up, oh gosh, last fall, and he said, I've got an idea for a book I want to do. And I said, okay, what's that? He said, well, you know, he goes, all these all these reality TV shows with people, you know, finding cars and stuff. He goes, I just, he goes, you know, a, a lot of that's, he goes, I just don't think a lot of that's real. And, you know, they have a chance to scout those locations ahead of time, et cetera, et cetera. Right. He goes, I want to do, he goes, I want to do a real barn find road trip. Nice. And I said, well, you know, what does that mean? And he said, well, he goes, I'm going to get a couple of my friends. We're going to get in my 39 Woody and we're going to take off and we're just going to drive for two weeks, and we're going to document everything we can find in two weeks. And I said, okay, that's a pretty cool idea. And I said, no preconceived notions, nothing that you know about in advance. He goes, nope, I'm going to pick four random states. We're going to spend two weeks driving through them, and I'm just going to find what I can find with my barn finding skills. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, that sounds cool. And, uh, you know, I talked to uh, our boss about my boss about it, and, uh, and he, was, um, he was intrigued by that idea as well. So we, so we turned Tom loose on it. And I, and I called, and before he left, I said, Tom, I said, here's, here's what we're going to call this book. We're going to call it Barn Find Road Trip, Three Guys, 14 Days, 100 Lost Collector Cars Discovered. Ooh, and he there's said, some pressures uh, on. <laughs> said one, 100. 100, I said, yeah. <laughs> I said, hey, come on, you can, you can find 100 in two weeks. And he's like, oh, I'll try my best. Yeah. And I said, oh, okay. I said, you know, if you only find 93 or 82, we'll adjust the title. <laughs> Yeah, well, it almost sounds better and more real if it's, you know, 100 sounds kind of preconceived, but 83, 92? Yeah, so Tom went out for his two weeks, and he uh, he called Nicole, who you've been talking to. He called Nicole and I up, and he said, okay, uh, here's the story. He goes, we went out for our two weeks. They went through four states. They they ended up at uh, the Hershey Show in Pennsylvania Mm -hmm. is where they ended, where they wrapped up their trip. And he said, okay, so the photographer that we took along uh, Michael Allen Ross, he took uh, 10,000 photographs. Oh, my gosh. And I said, okay, well, that's what photographers do. You yeah. know, They take pictures of everything. I said, okay, well, that's interesting. He said, well, and we drove, I forget how many miles he told me, I can't remember now. And he said, well, how many cars do you think we found? And I said, well, I, I bet you found 236 cars. And, and, I, and I'm going to get the number wrong here, but I'm going to be within a couple dozen. Yeah. He said, no, we found 1,356 oh. cars. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Which just blew my mind, right? Yes. And I think his as well. But, you know, they were just, they just, they, they followed their noses. They got, they gathered leads as they went. They went up every little road and holler imaginable. And, you know, and they would find these guys that had 60 or 70 cars. Wow. And not somebody that had a salvage yard. Yeah. You know, I mean, somebody that had 60 or 70 interesting cars. Yeah. And he found a lot of people like that. So it was, um, it's really, it, it's, it's been a really cool project to, um, to work with him on. And I think the, I think the book is going to be, you know, really, you know, wonderful and evocative. Yeah. Oh, it's wonderful. I love the idea. And it's really in tune with what's been happening in the collector car market and the Concord uh, genre and arena in the last uh, five, six, seven, eight years of barn finds. I mean, we just saw it at uh, Retromobile, you know, in Paris with the cars they found there and cars that show up on the lawn at Pebble Beach that still have dirt on them in some cases. Right. So, yeah, I think it's perfect. Sounds what a, like a really fun project. I'm blown away by that number. Wow, incredible! Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's uh, <laughs> it's, it's incredible, and it's like I said, the book the book's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, so yeah, keep yeah. an eye out for it this fall. Most definitely. Now, here's a really 
introspective question for you, Zach. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? Okay. All right. Let's see. Okay. I would be a, um, I would be an, and this is a, a car from my childhood. I would be a 1974 Fiat 128. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> now the, that's, the, that's a first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. And the reason is, is because I'm generally reliable, but I am prone to random failures. <laughs> but but I'm easily repaired as well, ah. and um, and uh, and uh, and cheerful throughout. I love or at that. Least try to be cheerful throughout. Yeah. Oh, that's a great answer. I love. That's why I love that question, especially when people answer it very honestly as they see themselves. So that's a great one. I love it, and a first here on Cars. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> very good. We're about to enter the last lap, but before we do. Here's a word from our sponsor and Cars yeah guest, Dwight Knowlton. Carpe Viem, seize the road. It's the motto at CarpeGear.com, where you'll find The Little Red Racing Car, an award-winning book written and illustrated by passionate car guy Dwight Knowlton. It's a spectacular way to introduce children to the love of cars. It's an inspirational award winner, and Yahoo Autos calls it the best kids' car book ever. Plus, it's printed in the USA. I may be an adult, but this kid loves the little red racing car. Dwight is finishing a second book in collaboration with Sir Sterling Moss about the story of his record-breaking win of the 1955 Mille Miglia. Check out Dwight's Carpe Viem brand, where you can find his book, shirts, and more that embrace his seize-the-road philosophy. Enjoy Carpe Viem at CarpeGear.com, and be sure to sign up for his newsletter while you're there. That's CarpeGear.com, C-A-R-P-E Gear.com. All right, Zach, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions. And I'd love for you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. Are you ready? Sure. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? Well, it has to do with um, when you undertake a restoration project. And I will note that most of my restoration projects move at what I would describe as a glacial pace. <laughs> but uh, I got some really good advice from a friend of mine, and, um, and he had said the key is to do something with the project every day. And I, and, I, and, I, and I try. I don't typically succeed, but I try. And he said it doesn't matter if all you do is go down and, and pick up the tools and put them away. There you go. Um, or if you just pick up one part and, um, and degrease it. But just do something every day, and um, you know, and before long, or at least before too long, yes, <laughs> you'll actually have a finished vehicle in front of you. That's a great advice. It comes in tune with how do you eat an elephant one little, yeah. little bite at a time. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your success? Well, I think that um, I mean, I, I think I'm actually going to tie it back to the previous question mm-hmm. um, because actually, I think that's a kind of a great habit to have generally, you know, because everything that you do is is part of something larger. But if you can sort of break it down into small pieces and try and get something done every day, not shove it aside, yep. not ignore it, whatever the case may be. So I think that like your restoration project with your, your personal projects, your work projects, just keep working at it, yep. basically. Absolutely. How about resources? Is there one in particular you'd like to share with the Cars Yeah listeners? I know there's a lot of them out there these days with websites and so forth. And of course, something uh, separate from motor books, because we're talking about that, but mm-hmm. or one in particular, I should say, that you'd like to share with our listeners? 
Well, I'm going to share two because I'm okay. a motorcycle guy. And there you go. Guy. Perfect. There's a there's a website um, called BikeXIF, B-I-K-E-E-X-I-F, BikeXIF. Okay. And it's really dedicated to um, to sort of um, custom builds of motorcycles. So, and there's a lot of uh, a cafe and street tracker. Cool. And, uh, bobber and stuff like that, and um, it's it's based out of a uh, New Zealand, and it's it's run by one guy named Chris Hunter, who's super passionate about motorcycles, and uh, every couple of days he puts up another fantastic machine from somewhere around the world with uh, really great photography and and a nice uh, detailed discussion of you know why that bike is cool and what makes it interesting mm-hmm. love that website anybody that's into motorcycles should check it out and then um in terms of a of a resource um i'm a i like uh, uh german cars and i find that um uh, pelican parts yes and they're out on the west coast they're a great resource not only for for parts but also for information their their website is really dense and has a lot of uh a lot of how-to projects because uh, Wayne um, has done a, a number of um, how-to Porsche-related books and stuff. And, right. And so there's a lot of um, there's a lot of good information there, and it's also a, a great place to find parts for, for your German car. Great, awesome. Yeah, I'd love to get Wayne on the show as well. I love Pelican parts. I'm a German yeah, car fan. Yeah, he's a fan. great guy. Yeah, fantastic. Now this could be a cuff one for you. If you could share just one book with our listeners, which one would it be? Probably my favorite book, and it's not a car book actually, but it's just a book I, I just really love, is a book by Dave Eggers. It's called A Heartbreaking Work of Staggering Genius. And it's kind of a, a memoir of, of him in his 20s. Mm-hmm. And he had to overcome some pretty serious obstacles. He lost both of his parents almost back-to-back to cancer and had to take on responsibility for his, his younger brother. And, and all that sounds a little heavy, but the book is so far from that. It's it's hilarious and it's also uh, inspiring as well. And uh, he has this great self-deprecating style. And there's so many things that happened to him at that age that I think happened to a lot of us at that age. And it's just it's so relatable and so enjoyable. It's one of the every once in a while when you're reading a book, you just love the book so much that you just don't want it to ever end. Awesome. And it's and, and, and to me it's one of those kinds of books. So it really doesn't have anything to do with cars, but it's That's a, all right. It's my it's my favorite book. Oh, fantastic. Great idea. Great book. I love love to get my hands on that as well. That's the first time anyone here has recommended that book, so we'll make sure we put it up on your show notes page. I'll remind our listeners you can find links to everything that Zach has shared with us today at carsyad.com slash Zach Miller. All right, Zach, we're up to the checkered flag. And that means this last question can be a real doozy. Mm-hmm. If you could have only one collector car, in your case, I'll include collector motorcycle. You can pick one or mm-hmm. one or the other. In your garage, money's no object. I'm going to buy you whatever you'd like today. What would that one vehicle be and why? Uh, 1973 Porsche 911 Carrera RS. <laughs> the holy grail of long hood Porsches. Yes, absolutely. What is it about... I don't. I know I don't even need to ask you this because I'm a fan <laughs> of those cars as well. But I always like to hear why people choose the car. And you were so quick to make that decision. You already knew what that car was going to be. What is it about the holy grail of 911s that you love so much? I love Porsche as a company. I think it's a fascinating company uh, historically and even contemporarily. You know, I love the 911 because it's um, it's so much a reflection of of their vision of what a car should be, and and, and it's evolved so beautifully over time it's very you know idiosyncratic but it's also very germanically functional i just think they're 
you know, when you asked me your first really special car, I mean, at some point I want to own a 911 and then, 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 then that'll be when I've had my first really special car. Mm-hmm. But that car in particular, because uh, I remember when I was a kid watching the IROC races on Wide World of Sport. Oh, yeah. So, I, you know, I have fond memories of the car from that. And also one of my friends, uh, when I was growing up, his father had a, had a series of, um, you know, 911s from the, um, from the late 60s and early 70s. So that particular body style really appeals to me. Mm-hmm. And that car kind of just marries up all that stuff perfectly. Yep. Yeah, those cars are fantastic. Great choice. Love it. Love it. Zach, you've taken me on a great ride today, and I knew you would. I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yow listeners and with me. Would you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that Porsche Carrera RS? <laughs> yeah, I think um, I would just say uh, uh, don't fight who you are. Mm. You know, if, if, you're a, if you're a car guy, if you're a motorcycle guy, if you're a bicycle guy, a Broadway musical guy, it doesn't matter. You know, if, if that's who you are, that's who you are. And don't, um, don't want to think that you should be someone else or that you should try and be someone else or that you wish you were different than you are, uh, you know, just embrace who you are and run with it. I love it. Be yourself. Absolutely great. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and Motorbooks? There's really no good way to learn more about me particularly. (laughs) But Motorbooks, uh, our website is uh, www.motorbooks.com. And we also have a Facebook page. We uh, we uh, put uh, postings up on our blog every day. We've got stuff going out on our Twitter feed regularly. So Motorbooks is is well immersed in the modern social media world. Mm-hmm. Those are great places to not necessarily find out more about us, but but to find out a little bit more about us, but also just to see what our books are about and the other books that you know we we distribute books for you know gearhead publishers all around the world. So right. to see just to see where all those books are and just to kind of see. As far as the Facebook page and the blog goes, just see things that catch our eye and that we think are interesting that we're sort of you know, sharing uh, with those that uh, choose to follow us. Fantastic. Well, listeners, I encourage you to go to carsyad.com slash Zach Miller and visit his website, visit his show notes page, and I think you're going to find some fantastic books. Many motor books sit on my library shelf. I've enjoyed them for years, and I look forward to all the new ones that you're going to be publishing in the future. Zach, thank you for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with me. It's been great fun. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Yeah, thanks, Mark. And I I really enjoyed it. And it was good to uh, get to know you a little bit and to have a chance to speak with you and your audience. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!